0: Would somebody kindly wake me up when this uh, strange nightmare is over? This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. I was thinking the other morning as I got up and looked at the clock and the light coming through the bedroom window. Do I really want to get up and face today? Some days are easy. Some days are more difficult than others. As I think about what's happening in our world. Sometime next week is going to be the one-year anniversary of a phone call that I got out of the blue. Somebody I would worked with a number of years before. Had my number. Knew that I still lived in Florida. Didn't know I also had a place up in Georgia and asked me if I would consider coming out of retirement. Now, many of you know this who've listened to the program for any length of time or listened to your weekend show over the past five or so years. I started my career in broadcasting way back when we had turntables and tape machines and we actually played 45 RPM records, and AM radio was king. That's where I got my start. But since my childhood I always had a fascination with the engineering side of the radio business. And by the later part of the 1970s, with some education under my belt, tech school and college, I moved to the engineering side of the business for a number of years, Also worked for a a Bible college for about 14 years, building their entire network of radio stations. I really enjoyed it. Then I went into ministry. I just felt that call on my life, and I went back to school again during my time working at the college. Ended up in the ordained ministry by 1996. And for a number of years, I was a church pastor, but still, still working part-time in radio to subsidize the income for my ministry. After my first wife passed away in 2004 from cancer, I went through a series of changes in my life, and ultimately, for a time got an unusual job I never would have applied for or even thought existed. I was asked by a mutual friend to consider working for a county government. Because of my background in communications, I could be an asset as both a public information officer and take care of some technical things as well. And so I thought at that point in my life, I was just, for lack of a better word, needing something to do to give me purpose. My heart was just not fully back into wanting to be in ministry. And many of the radio doors that I I could take, I just, just didn't feel that that's where I needed to be. And so I thought for a season, I'll do this job working in emergency management as a public information officer thought I'd do that for a year or two, but it it became more than a year or two. And over time, I started to cross-train in other aspects of emergency management, like planning, disaster planning, all the things that go into responding to a major event. And I found out I kind of had a knack for it. And I developed a number of friendships in some of the major training exercises in which I participated. And that's why, about a year ago, I got this phone call out of the blue. If you remember a year ago, it was in January, we first started hearing about this virus in China. A lot of conflicting information, as you remember, about this virus in China. We'd heard that it's not really contagious and nothing to worry about. But suddenly things were beginning to change. We're hearing about people getting very sick and even dying in China. And then it, there was an outbreak in Italy, and even doctors and and healthcare workers were dying. All of a sudden there was a huge concern about what could turn into a worldwide pandemic. And my friend, who now worked in a different state and a bigger county and city than he had been in before, was trying to get his whole team together to, to come up with a response plan for the county in which he now was the emergency manager. And he asked me if I would consider coming to where he was at to work didn't know how many days weeks or months it may last but you know he needed me at some point very soon so my wife and I talked about it and and decided if if in in fact that they need me up there I'll go and we'll figure out what to do in terms of what my wife is doing well we'll just kind of work it out I get the phone call a little bit later in the month of February to start filling out all my paperwork as a vendor to work for this county. Did all that stuff. All the paperwork was done. And before the month of February was over, I was heading to our home in Georgia to pick up some equipment that I was going to need uh, for my extended stay where I was heading to farther north. For the next two and a half months, I lived in this hotel, this big luxury hotel, just a handful of people in it, all workers for the COVID-19 response for that county. Nobody was there to take care of our rooms. We had to kind of bring our own laundry in and out, and they would give us fresh sheets and towels. We had to change our own beds. No big deal. And so we started out, as I I think I mentioned it earlier this week on on the program, we started out realizing we had a major undertaking ahead of us. Because we didn't know at the end of February and the beginning of March where all this was going to lead. We were getting all kinds of webinars and studies and paperwork that the general public was not seeing, about what this virus could or could not be or maybe There was a lot of unsurety. And, and so a lot of things were never expressed to the public because we couldn't confirm or deny. These are just guesstimates. And you don't want to start a mass panic on incorrect information. But we had to prepare just in case some of the things we're being told were true. You remember by by the end of February, if you went to any grocery store or a Walmart or a Target, paper goods had vanished. People were in panic mode and starting to hoard items. I can remember, I can remember going to a couple of stores when I got to the city in which I was going to be working and I saw this panic playing out. And wondering, you know, why do people respond the way they do? They're so woefully unprepared for many of the things that come along in life. And rather than be ready for something, they just respond in panic when something hits. We worked under the assumption, by the time we got to the first week of March... We worked under the assumption, end of February, early March, that in this county that I was working, that between then, we're getting our first cases, our first one or two cases, to expect many more cases, and in our county, upwards of 3,000 people would die before the end of May. I mean, those were the numbers that 3,000 people could potentially die before the end of May. And so we're trying to prepare for the hospitals being totally overwhelmed and no ability to even deal with funerals of those that would die at such an exponential rate. It would overwhelm the entire funeral home industry. What are we gonna do? We spent a lot of money preparing for such inevitabilities. By the time we got to around the 7th or 8th of March, 11 months ago now, we started talking about this idea of a pause, or two weeks or 15 days to flatten the curve. For the next 15 days, we're all going to just only essential people will go out Everybody's going to stay at home, and we're going to try to just hang on, and we're going to whip this thing. You remember that? 15 days, and 30, and 45, then 100, then 200, and 300, when you think about it now, in many places, to flatten the curve. We must have done an incredibly good job. Actually, we didn't, but we must have done an incredibly good job. Because by the time May rolled around, we didn't have 3,000 people die in that county. The best they could attribute by stretching the numbers a little bit, and I know that from the work that we did, that there were many questionable cases that were listed as COVID-19 deaths in our county that the medical examiner challenged, knowing the health report prior to COVID-19 of some of the patients. Instead of 3,000, the best they came up with was 43 by that time. Climbed a little more beyond that. It's not 3,000. And it really wasn't because we locked everything down. You'd like to maybe believe that was true. But it wasn't. We weren't even wearing a whole bunch of masking back then. Nobody was wearing a. Very few people had a bandana on their face or, or a paper mask they bought, you know, two for $1.19 at Walmart. Nobody was doing any of this stuff. And as we got toward the spring... And people started to come out and they eased the restrictions. The numbers just went down. Then there was a little bit of an uptick in the summer, then a downtick, and then the fall comes. And we're all warned that we're going to, it's going to be really a bad fall and, and look for a really dark winter. It's going to be terrible. And here we are today with people like Fauci. Maybe two masks, maybe three masks will work. We have a vaccine, but it may not work either, but you need to take it. I am to the point of wanting to rip every hair out of my head from the stupidity that I'm hearing from people like the highest paid employee in the federal government, Dr. Fauci, who has changed his mind and move the goalpost literally a hundred times in a year. And he's still in charge. He doesn't know what he's talking about. When has he ever been right about anything? Never. You know it if you're honestly, if you're an honest and intellectual person, you know that nothing he's ever said has been really Correct oh, we'll have a vaccine by 2022. It can't be done in a year. Well, whether you agree with the vaccine or not, I necessarily, I kind of don't, to be honest. I've got my reasons. Not that I'm such an expert, but I know how to find the experts and ask certain questions. The other problem that I've had with this virus, do I believe it's deadly? Yeah. For some people but we had everybody running around we got people in their 30s and 40s wearing face masks and shields and gloves and and they got this horrified look in their face that they're going to die they're just going to die if they get the virus and you find out in the united states the average age of somebody that may succumb to the virus is 83 not 43 not 33 not 23 and then, even the CDC back in the summer, boy, they got they got the folks at Twitter upset when they started talking about, well, you know, 96% of those that died, 94%, let me get the number correct, 94% of those that died had many other life-threatening issues going on in their life, was doing a little research over the past couple of weeks. Didn't think I was going to talk about this today, but I just think that I need to get a few more facts out there so you can understand what to expect coming in the next several weeks. There is so much good information that has been buried by social media tyrants and, for lack of a better word, you know, the... The the ministries of truth, which you find in Twitter and in Facebook. Let's be honest, Twitter and Facebook have their own version of the truth, and you either accept it or they shut you down. Jack Dorsey has got to be one of the worst human beings in the pla- on the planet. The man looks like a meth addict. He's a tyrant. He's a billionaire tyrant who decides who can can say what, even if it's truthful. He's got a version of the truth, and, and you can say, but Bob, it's a private company. To a degree, I agree with you, except for one thing. They're living off special exemptions that a newspaper or other forums don't have. They're pretending to be both a forum and a publisher, thus you can't sue them when they do something wrong. Understand the rules real quick. Let me just take 30 seconds to throw this out at you. In the early 1990s, beginning of the internet, beginning of, you know, the World Wide Web, some little entrepreneurs in little towns all over America started little community bulletin boards, BBS services, bulletin board service, where you could post something for sale or or a public announcement. Now, these were... New ventures, there was no real money in them, and you could lose everything if you made a mistake, like getting sued. Let's say you had a little bulletin board site, and somebody posts something about their ex-husband or ex-wife that's not true and it's nasty. Well, the idea of the protections were to keep these little tiny businesses from being sued out of existence because of something somebody else said. They were protected. Well, nobody ever expected in 1994, 95, and 96 to have a behemoth like a Facebook and a Twitter out there. They're using these laws that were put in place to protect a brand new and fledgling industry from being destroyed. Now you've got these mega megabillion dollar companies. I mean, you realize that the value of Facebook, the value of Facebook, the number is astronomical. Currently Facebook is worth about seven hundred and thirty ready for this billion with a B seven hundred thirty billion with a B dollars with a market cap of seven hundred and seventy five billion with a B dollars that means they are worth one hundred dollars for every man woman and child on the face of the planet name me any company worth that much $100 for every man, woman, and child on the planet. Yet they run around with these silly protections because, well, they like them. They are now in a position of ultimate elitist power. They decide the narrative because they have so many people so many people Are on their platform. Worldwide, I might add. And they laugh all the way to the bank selling your data to any company that wants to make a bid. Yeah, Facebook is a free service to use. And anytime somebody sends you some silly email, ooh, beginning next week, they're going to start charging. No, they're not. They're making so much money selling your data, your buying trends, your personal information. they collect it you willingly put it in there, they own it and they sell it and that's why they're worth 730 billion with a B dollars. It's a lot of money. Like I say a hundred dollars for every man, woman and child on the on the planet even including all the most impoverished nations and places without internet. Imagine if you just figure the United States, Canada, and Europe and it's worth you know four or five hundred dollars per person. They now control the narrative. They control the politics. Don't think that the influence that Facebook and Twitter has had in recent years to influence elections is not there. They have incredible power and many people do not understand it. In a couple of minutes I want to take a break but I, I want to just pass along a bit of information before the break and then we're going to get back and I'm going to give some other examples of some of the strange things that are happening in this world today. If you're listening to this program, it's Thursday, and if everything is working as planned, we record this just a little in advance of the time it has to air, we are probably going to be on two different frequencies, back-to-back, well, the same frequency, back-to-back, at 4 p.m. Eastern, 3 Central, on 5950 kilohertz, and then again at 5 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Central. Same program, back-to-back on 5950 kilohertz. And we're going to try to find out which one of these times and frequencies work better. Depending on the time of the year, these frequencies do better than they do at other times. So we're thinking about giving this a try for a couple of days. And then Monday, if it's on at 5 Eastern instead of 4, you'll know why. Because we figured out which was better And hopefully I can give you an indication on the Friday program, the preliminary results and what you may expect. We might go ahead and do a couple of more days next week and then let you know which one we're going to stick with. Just want to let those that listen by shortwave to know there may be a a few little changes coming over the days and, and weeks ahead. While this show is a podcast, my heart tells me It needs to remain on shortwave radio. We had a little incident this week that kind of reminds me of just how important radio can be. Here in our little mountain home, we ran into a bit of a problem the other day. Somewhere between our community and town, one of the major lines that feed one of the providers ISP providers apparently got cut and you know we got up in the morning and everything is working and then all of a sudden you know I have no, no access to my email or anything else and because our little home in the mountains is so isolated we have no cell phone service here at all none no bars it just says no service and so in order for our cell phones to work, we also have to have, well, guess what? The Internet. We have that little cell spot in our home, you know, from our provider. And our phones work rather well up here, as long as the Internet is working, which has been pretty reliable. But it just about put me into a panic that morning because I had a radio show to get out and get uploaded and man it was getting really close but it finally did come back on and you realize that when you're doing things like a podcast you are dependent upon the internet for that podcast to get from point A to point B and then from point B to the end user you also depend on companies that may decide one day they don't like your content and just like What Facebook does and YouTube does and Twitter does without warning, they clip your wings, cut you off, and make you a non-person. Kind of sounds like the Soviet Union, doesn't it? Or North Korea. The ministers of truth decide what is true, and even if what you're saying is true but does not fit their narrative, they will cut you off. They're, they're, They're not about free speech. They're about controlled speech and you being nothing but an entity to be sold. Like I say, Facebook is not there because Mark Zuckerberg is a generous individual. He's actually a cold-hearted industrial, you know, financial industrialist that would that sells you out. He has no soul in terms of his business morals. Either it's Jack Dorsey or or Jeff Bezos, or any of them. Now that Jeff Bezos is stepping aside, the guy taking over is the guy that kicked Parler off. They want to control... I want to put this... Let me say this. Think about this for a moment. Who is running the world right now? The billionaire class. The billionaire class is running the world. It's the Jack Dorseys, the Mark Zuckerbergs, And be honest, Bill Gates, others, many others, all billionaires with a B. They travel in their private jets. And they own governments like, you know, you and I own a pair of shoes. I'm just going to come out and say it. You can disagree or you can agree. I think these tech tyrants currently own half of the Senate, the Congress, and the presidency right now of the United States. They probably own many of the other governments around the world, too, that do their bidding. You, my friend, are just a commodity. You, my friend, are just a source of increased revenue. I mean, once you own billions of dollars, how much more do you need? At that point, it becomes a power trip. You know it, and I know it. Do you believe in the work that we're trying to do here with this program, Truth to Ponder? I plan on having some guests on in the near future to talk about the state of our world and the things we can do. I said when I started the program, you know, wake me up when the nightmare's over. But I realize when I get up in the morning, yeah, the nightmare's still there. We still have the same talking heads. We still have the same issues, the same problems, the same things we're going to have to face in this world. They're still going to be there. Then you have a lot of the prophets of doom that are saying, oh, this must be the Great Tribulation. Well, I don't know if it is or isn't. And it really doesn't matter if it is or isn't. Maybe for Americans, it's the first time of any kind of spiritual tribulation they've ever had to face. And I've been praying a lot about that. I can't tell you if this is or is not the Great Tribulation. Any person that claims to be some prophet of God that does is a fool. And don't waste your time, effort, or money on these people. Go back last year. How many of these same people that are trying to sell you their books and DVDs and inside information and scoops, how many of them made false predictions last year or the year before or in 2016? I can remember some way back in 2015 saying Jesus was coming in 2016 or 2012 or 1990-whatever or 1988. I've heard them all. But there is one thing I can tell you with 100% certainty. That the United States is entering a period of tribulation and persecution. And I can hear somebody right now, no, Bob, it's not going to be that way. Well, when I get back after the break, I'm going to give you some examples of the little bits of persecution and where it's all leading. And you can judge for yourself. If you believe in the work we're doing, why not visit the website, truth2ponder.com. Truth, the number 2ponder.com. And if you want to support this ministry, you can do it from there, from the website. Or if you prefer to write by U.S. mail, you can make a check payable to Ancient Word Radio. Let me say that again. Ancient Word. Word radio and our address here for truth to ponder is 21 Berkshire B E R K S H I R E 21 Berkshire Lane in the city of Sky Valley, two words Sky Valley, Georgia 30537. Now, let me do that address again. I know I forgot a little piece of it. 21 Berkshire Lane, and you have to add this number, I keep forgetting sometimes number 263. Even though the 21 is actually a physical address for us, most of our mail will come to a community little PO box center, and it makes it easier for the mail lady because we're so scattered out. It would take a month of Sundays to drive to just a few hundred homes that are way out here in the boonies. And so you have to add that number 263. So 21 Berkshire Lane, number 263. In Sky Valley, Georgia, zip code 30537. And anything you give, none of it goes to me. All of it goes to cover the airtime at WRMI and also at KVOH. And as God provides, maybe some other outlets as well. We'll just kind of take that in stride. We're going to take a break. And we shall
1: return. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. Leaning on your beloved. Shalom Alechem. This is the nice Jewish boy, Jonathan Kahn, your Jewish connection, bringing you the riches of your Jewish roots in Jesus. Now get your pen out as fast as you can so you don't miss out on receiving a special free gift you're going to get and love in a moment. Now, in the last chapter of the Song of Solomon, it says in Hebrew, "Mi zot ala min Bar mit ra peket al doda." Who is this who comes up from the wilderness, leaning on her beloved? What a beautiful picture—an ancient Hebrew bride coming up from the wilderness, leaning her head, her head leaning on her beloved bridegroom's shoulder. Now, the wonderful thing is this: the Song of Solomon is a spiritual allegory. When it speaks of the bride, it's talking about you. When it speaks of the bridegroom, it's talking about the Lord. So what a beautiful picture, a bride coming up from the wilderness with her beloved, leaning her head on his shoulder. The bride's supposed to be us, you. You're supposed to lean your head on God's shoulder. You're supposed to walk arm in arm with your beloved and lean on his shoulder. It's a picture of gentle love, warm dependency, and intimate trust. That's how it's supposed to be with you and God. It's not enough to walk with God. You have to also lean your head on his shoulder. Lean your head on your beloved. That's what a beloved is for. If you didn't have a beloved, you couldn't lean on him. You'd have to carry your burdens by yourself. That's why it says casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Stop trying to do it on your own. Stop even trying to walk with God on your own. You weren't made to carry all that on your shoulders. You were made to lean on His. Because you too are meant to come up and out of your wilderness. But it all begins when you lay your burdens down and you begin leaning on the everlasting shoulders of your beloved. Want more? Ask for the song of the resurrection. Now, how'd you like to receive something so awesome it's been hidden for 2,000 years, never before, been revealed you can the awesome unprecedented mystery of the temple doors you'll love it and sapphires guaranteed to help you become strong and victorious in god how do you get all these free gifts easy just remember jesus's hebrew name yeshua and dial it that's all you do just dial 1 800 yeshua 1 you'll be blessed but call now 1-800 y-e-s-h-u-a-1 Now I invite you to join with me in bringing salvation back to God's ancient nation, Israel, and all the unreached peoples on five continents with over a billion people. Just call now, 1-800-YESHUA-1, that's Y-E-S-H-U-A-1. Or write me direct, The Nice Jewish Boy, at Box 1111, Lodi, New Jersey, 07644. It's The Nice Jewish Boy, Box 1111, Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, 07644. Well, till next time, this is Jonathan Kahn saying Shalom Aleichem. Peace be to you, my friend, in Messiah or HaOlam, the light of the world.
0: This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And welcome back to part two of the Thursday edition of Truth to Ponder. I'm your host Bob Bierman, and I'm so glad that you're taking time to to be with me today, either by podcast or on the radio. Once again, a quick reminder for those that listen on radio tonight. Of course, we are heard at um, what 10 p.m. Eastern time on five nine five zero, and and today we're supposed to be on twice in the afternoon. Actually, three times total, but. On the frequency of 5950 kilohertz at both 4 p.m. and 5 p.m. Eastern. I'm going to try to find out which time works the best for coverage. Then at 6 p.m. at 9 to 395 kilohertz. And then again at 10 o'clock at night, we'll be on at 5950. Also at 11 p.m. Eastern coming from the West Coast, 8 p.m. Pacific on 9975 from KVOH, we're praying about additional outlets because I really believe, like I said, we were just lost our internet for a day. It became a real problem in being able to produce this program. And for those that would listen as a podcast, if you have no internet or your phone system doesn't work or the vendor decides they don't like the program, you can't hear it. A couple of the listeners to this program, I think several actually, remind me that someday I'm going to say something that somebody somewhere doesn't like at at and or Comcast or who knows. And at some point, don't be surprised if uh, my voice is silenced. I'm not thinking I'm such a great guy and I'm so important. I'm just saying I see friends of mine that just have a handful of friends on Facebook get put in Facebook jail for 30 days or kicked off Twitter for good it's beginning to happen it's not some you know conspiracy theory dream it really is happening if you supported the former president they will find a way look at look at Mike Lindell whether you like him or not you know he's a smart businessman and he supported President Trump so now he's been banished from Twitter by the guy that looks like a meth head needing a hit Jack Dorsey anytime I've ever seen him you know, at a, at a hearing before the Senate he acts like he's high uh, I, I don't know uh, I'll, I'll check in uh, I mean the guy doesn't even know what's going on in his own company oh we're not doing that oh yes you are here look right now oh didn't know Just so you know, uh, Truth to Ponder used to have a Twitter page, and I've been trying to remember when I come into my office to get rid of it. It's gone. Because I'm not going to be a part of that socially inferior network run by the syphilis-brained elites. I'm not going to be a part of it anymore. I'm not going to be part of something that they can market. And we're going to also dump our Facebook page effective the end of next week for truth to ponder I'm just done with them whether I keep a personal Facebook page I haven't even decided that yet I may drop my clerical title off my name and just become an observer for lack of a better term there's nothing on Twitter worth repeating or sharing with anybody. I've I've yet to find anything much of value. You know, maybe one in a thousand tweets have any value. For the fun of it, I did follow a few tweets over the past six, seven months from the Lincoln Project. Oh, they were the holier than thou Republicans. Now you find out there's pedophiles in their midst. Not surprising. Not surprising one bit. I wake up in the morning and I look at the world and wonder can it get any worse or any weirder? When I look at, and here someone else got kicked off of uh, Twitter, read an article. Somebody pointed out the fact that Dr. Rachel Levine is really a man, looks like Tiny Tim with blonde hair, and needs to shave, who thinks he's a woman. And someone pointed out the fact that he's a biological male and they're kicked off Twitter. You can't say that. I'm sorry, but Rachel, whatever your real name is, you have a mental illness. You do not need to be in charge of anything to do with anybody's health on any level until you deal with your mental illness. You are not a woman. Yet this administration, this new administration... I, I'm gonna say it. I really think that Joe Biden has Alzheimer's because nobody in their right mind from his generation would be out there saying, yes, let's let men compete in women's sports. make that a federal mandate. I will sign <laughs> I, I will sign whatever order they put in front of me. And so now you have you have guys that, We're coming in like number three or number four in in men's track and field. Now they're coming in number one because they're playing in women's track and field. Because they changed their name from Charlie to Christy. And they decide that they're going to be girls. They grow their hair longer. There's something inherently wrong with trying to normalize that kind of behavior and thinking that it's totally all right to have men going into women's bathrooms just because understand what i just did right there if uh... they ever notice it would have gotten me kicked off of twitter anyway and probably suspended from facebook so so why waste my time Making billionaires wealthier and give them more influence over my life and even this radio program, I'm not going to do it. I look at at some of these picks for the cabinet for the president of the United States, and it seems like you've got to be you've got to be out there, you've got to be different, you've got to be woke, you've got to be into everything that is abnormal and literally reprobate. If you do that, you move up real quick. I can remember back earlier in the pandemic last year when the idea, what can the president do when it comes to this virus? You had many governors saying, well, you can't make mandates, you can't do this. You you don't have that kind of authority letter from a friend of mine. I'm not going to say where, but let's just say he lives in a city and he had to take public transportation uh, to the downtown part of his, his region. And on the PA speakers, and you can imagine this is everywhere, effective February 1st, everybody must wear a face covering as per federal law. Really? A face covering as per federal law? It's a mandate a mandate. All transportation. I don't care if it's Uber a taxi cab. Airplane or bus or train or subway. Face covering. And do they really work? For every for everything ever published saying that they do work or might work or could work. Now, I mean, well, of course if you were 2, 3 or 10 or 20 it, maybe it'll work. Of course, if you wear enough of them, you can't breathe and you'll die anyway. Or you'll get your lungs filled with nothing but bacteria and CO2. We don't talk about that part. Oh, no, no, that doesn't happen. Yet I see people wearing face masks and face shields. And gloves and goggles. We've never done anything like this before for a virus. I was watching a video somebody share with me the other day. And this is a, a medical doctor. Now, we're not talking some off-the-wall quack or something like that that's been discredited for things they've done. This is somebody that has been practicing medicine, oh, for several decades. Probably since, like, the early part of the 1980s. So we're talking roughly 30 years of medical experience with a successful practice. And this particular doctor was talking about all the things that we were doing in the beginning of the pandemic, all of which, by the way, all of which makes perfect sense, at least with what little we knew. And trust me, I was there. I was watching the briefings, things you didn't even see because of my position in emergency management. The speculation, the possibility, prepare for. We don't know. We'll let you know more as we, as we learn. This was all new territory. And I took my job seriously in trying to keep the media and the public informed and in helping to try to find places for temporary morgues and hospital rooms that we were told we would need, which we never did. This doctor said that during the early part of the virus, when her practice was essentially locked down, she said, you know, nothing else better to do but do some research. And she started learning things about history and medicine that she was not taught in medical school. Now, she points out that for years we've had treatments for viruses. Viruses have been around for eons. This is nothing new viruses are nothing new but we've been responding to the symptoms of, and treatments of viruses for many many years successfully but somewhere along the way the idea of vaccines became the preferred methodology now I could speculate here and I'm going to speculate you can agree with me or you can politely disagree and even tell me where I'm wrong I would not be offended but it seems that the pharmaceutical industry has an undue influence on the entire medical profession. That if they decide they want to sell the $30 cure or the $100 cure, they, they don't want to really talk about the 50 cent or a dollar cure. It doesn't do much for their bottom line. And, and having had a wife that had gone through cancer, you know 17 years ago. I can attest to the cost of treatment, and I begin to wonder sometimes, were those treatments worth the money that was spent? The hundreds of thousands of dollars. Were they worth it? She died. How much time did it buy her? Hard to say. So, I mean, I, I've having lived through this, I, I have some definite opinions. And my opinion of the pharmaceutical industry is not really that high. They certainly haven't earned my trust. You know what really bothers me? Now, I'm just going to just deviate for a second here. One of the things that really bothers me are all these commercials on TV for the new wonder drug. Talk to your doctor about whatever it is. Whatever it is, we'll do this, that, and the other for you. Talk to your doctor. Talk to your doctor. Find out more about whatever it is. The new wonder drug. And then you have this rapid-fire voice rattling off. Or better yet, on TV, it's different. They don't even really have to say all the things that will kill you. They just kind of throw it up there on the screen. Or they say it so quietly or quickly You know, the fact that this can deform you, kill you, destroy you, ruin organs, make you go blind, or whatever. All the side effects. Stop taking whatever it is if you feel a swelling in your throat or your tongue or you know what I'm talking about. Then you find out that this new drug, whatever it is, oh, it's only $300 a month. By prescription only. So talk to your doctor about whatever it is. You know, to me, it's hard to make a bona fide medical decision if you're not really a doctor and you don't know as much as you think you might know based upon a well-produced, well-choreographed commercial with a catchy tune and little catchy, you know, sometimes even catchy cartoon characters talking to the person. That's not the way I want to make a medical decision. I remember something else that I I learned when you have a wife that had a lot of health issues for a while. We would spend a lot of time having to go to various doctor's offices over a period of several years. And you could always tell the pharmaceutical salesman, the guy really well-dressed, and he's got his appointment, and you have to wait for the, the drug salesman talking to the doctor, trying to convince him why they need to, you know, prescribe the new drug, whatever it is. You have to wonder what incentives these doctors get to promote these new pharmaceuticals. But this gal made the statement saying, we used to treat viruses differently, and now we have the real expensive ways, but they're really not doing a whole lot better than the old ways. So why are we doing it? What is the purpose? (laughs) Good question, wouldn't you think? So now we have our health department, the assistant health secretary, looks like tiny Tim and drag, doesn't understand his gender. And this is the kind of person that's going to be telling you about your health. Then you have a, uh, you know, we, they used to criticize all the press secretaries for Donald Trump, saying they're not prepared. And now we got this gal.
1: I don't have anything new for you on that, and we'll we'll circle back with you directly. I can circle back. I'll circle back with you.
0: You can imagine MSNBC or CNN, if, if any of Donald Trump's press secretaries ever got up there and rattled off 10, 15, 20 times, oh, I'll circle back and get that to you. They'd be condemned and trashed all evening. You know, by the way, I noticed something in the news. What are these networks like CNN and and MSNBC going to do? I mean, after all, Trump is no longer there. And and all their experts, all they were experts on was bashing Trump and conservatives and Christians. And virus is dangerous. We must get vaccine, must wear face mask, must stay home, must never associate or go to a church. Now that Trump is gone, what are they going to do? Well, they've watched their ratings like, you know, the uh, Cuomo program. What's his name? Uh, Chris Cuomo's show. His ratings have dropped 50% (laughs) since since the inauguration. All of the ratings, Rachel Maddow, all of them are tanking. Because all they built for the last four years was hate Trump, hate Trump, hate, hate, hate. Anger, anger, anger. Condemn, condemn, condemn. Russia 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 and moralize after moralize. To this day I don't know how I don't know how uh, Congressman Schiff from California. How does he sleep at night knowing that he got on television every night for 2 years and lied through his teeth? I have seen the evidence of Russian collusion and it is I'll use his words damning and it'll take the president down. He will be a traitor to this nation. He is Putin's puppet. That's all they said. I've seen the evidence and Robert Mueller will be presenting all that evidence and you'll see what I know. Just be patient. And then Mueller gets up there and there's no collusion by anybody. They lied. They knowingly lied. And see, that's the problem with politics today. Politics is is used to be an honorable service, I think, at one time, maybe. When I was much younger, I thought about doing it on a local level. I never thought about it even at the state level. And I don't think I could ever really do it at the federal level because I it's it's too compromising. One of the things that needs to be said. I, mean, I know I'm just kind of talking about, I had some stuff in front of me I'm not even going to get to, I know that. Some interesting and fascinating stuff about how we're treating this virus, but let me say this much. One of the things people have got to make a really hard decision about, and, and it goes back to something that's taught in the scripture. When Jesus calls somebody to follow him, he means forsake all to follow him. And if you decide to go into politics and you have to compromise what you believe because of politics, your faith has got to take a, a back seat. Then you as a Christian are faced with one of two choices. You either choose to leave politics to be honoring to your faith, or you reject your faith. You just say, God, I'm I, you're not one, you're not number one anymore. Politics is number one. You know, in Roman Catholicism, and I'm, I'm not a Roman Catholic, but I'm just going to say, there are some teachings of the church that are considered, you know, life issues. I mean, these are mortal sin issues, as they would call them. How can a Catholic say, oh, I'll vote for supporting and paying for abortion. You have just walked away from your church. I don't care what these idiotic bishops say or try to pretend these pretend games. If I was faced with having to make a vote on a life issue, I would have to vote what the, what the word of God says. If politics says I can't, then I need to get out of politics. Or I need to face God and say, I don't believe you anymore. You're a liar. I'm going to do my own thing. Duplicitous politicians are one of the most dangerous things. Oh, I am a churchgoer yet they, they encourage with taxpayer dollars everything that is detrimental to our, to our world. It's just simply amazing. We now know one thing. All the states that locked down and stole your freedoms and made you do things early, they didn't do any better, in most cases worse, than those that didn't lock down as hard and try to restore as much freedom as soon as possible. That's a fact. You can deny that or argue with me all day long. I'm just telling you, I look at the numbers of the county that I served and other counties because I get to see them. Those that did these extraordinarily weird lockdowns and, and just draconian nonsense. You can't go to church. You can't do anything. You can't even go outside and walk your dog without a face mask. What are you doing outside? Where are your papers? Sounds like Nazi Germany. Where are your papers? You're going to need that before before long to fly. Where are your papers? This has been an exercise. As As I read about a lot of doctors that know a lot more than me, they begin to question from their medical knowledge and their experience. Their experience. Hear that again. Their experience. They begin to question some of the narrative that's come out. And the Zuckerbergs of the Ministry of Truth and the Jack Dorsey's, the Gestapo of the Ministry of Truth, stomp them down. Yet the more I listen to some of these people, the more sense they make because they are proven right. Old Scottish saying. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. If you believe in the work we're doing here, would you go to the website, truth2ponder.com. Truth, the number 2ponder.com. If you can help support it, you can do it from the website or make a check to Ancient Word Radio. You can mail it to 21 Berkshire, B-E-R-K-S-H-I-R-E, 21 Berkshire Lane, number two six three. In the city of Sky Valley, Georgia, 30537, 21 Berkshire Lane, number 263, Sky Valley, Georgia, and the zip code 30537. This has been Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. To find out more, visit our website, Truth, the number two, and the word ponder.com. That's Truth, the number two, ponder.com. Truth.